And I'm so glad to see you tonight and to celebrate Thanksgiving with you. Over 20 years ago, we just decided we would do Thanksgiving service, our midweek service on Tuesday night, so as not to put any pressure on folks for the holidays. And we've just gathered each year to say thanks to the Lord together and to give him all the glory and the honor for how good he's been to us. <clears throat> Last year was an especially difficult and yet a wonderful service as I look back over the notes during the COVID crisis when we met together. This year, I think I've just written down a word that I hope will communicate to you. It's, it's the word consequential. These are consequential times that we're living in. And that word consequential, most people think they understand it, but for something to be of consequence, it means that the generations that follow are going to learn lessons from how you and I live in the times that we're living in. And I believe, especially for the children, the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren of our generation, this is a consequential season for how we live our lives together. And I want to welcome those of you that are watching online as well. And if you're watching at a later time than tonight on a Tuesday evening, I pray that you will have the most wonderful and happy Thanksgiving whatsoever. Last night, I had one of those nights. I don't know if you ever have them where you can't sleep. Do you just ever have one of those nights? I wasn't really worried about anything. I just had lots and lots on my mind. As a matter of fact, I woke up one time during the night laughing at myself. I had slid halfway down the bed, and my feet were hanging about that far off the bed. And I was just tossing and turning, and I couldn't sleep. And I finally fluffed some pillows up, grabbed my iPad off the nightstand, and just began to think and to write down. And, and I, I just started thinking about all the reasons that people stay awake sometimes, things that they've told me I, they can't sleep about. They're worried about their family. They're worried about their children. They're worried about their finances. They're worried about their health. And that just kind of flowed in with what I want to talk to you this evening about staying calm and being grateful. As I did some research, just kind of right off the top of the hat, young people in their early 20s, when they're graduating from college, right now we're told that they're very worried about finding a career, a vocation. They can find jobs, and they can find all kinds of things to do, but they're, they're not able to break into the career field that they would like to get into because of what's happened in the COVID crisis. People in their 30s, their early 30s and mid-30s, they've got a family to care for. They have children to care for, and they're concerned about what's going on with the COVID crisis. They have worries about the long-term effects of their job. People in their 40s, have experienced laid off, being laid off or having jobs that haven't given them the hours that they were used to during the COVID crisis. People in their 50s say that it's not been a real good time for them because their investments haven't been doing very well. And then people in their 60s are finding out they're struggling with health problems that they didn't know had been building up through their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, and their 60s. The failure to exercise or the failure to eat right or the neglect of a doctor's appointment all of a sudden is beginning to show up and they're discovering different health issues that come to mind. And as I kind of reflected on that, it just dawned on me this Thanksgiving season how many people really are living with anxiety and worry and fear, which is where I already felt that the Lord wanted us to come to. 
One story says that mothers are feeling increasing pressures about being moms. It's the reason that I ask that this video be shown tonight. Part of the reason that mothers, according to the New York Times in an article that was printed in there by a psychologist was that part of the reason that mothers are feeling so much pressure now is in times past, they've had extended family, they've had family members, they've had their church, they've had others to help them raise their children. And young mothers are saying today, I'm doing this all by myself. Mothers are, are going without sleep and they're working extra hard trying to keep their family afloat in some places where fathers have lost their jobs or they're underemployed. They're challenged like no other time. And here is the thing, they're, they're doing tremendous, they feel like they're being failures as moms. Anxiety, worry, fear about their role in their life. Our children, according to Dr. Robert Leahy, a, a prominent psychologist, our children today, not our teenagers, but our children are showing the same level of anxiety issues and worries that psychiatric patients were showing in the 1950s in the hospital because of COVID and everything that's around them, hearing their families talk, hearing the news that's on the television or on the cable, they're hearing all these things, and our children are bound up with it. Just recently, it was kind of humorous, but I think I shared this with you a couple of weeks ago, but we had flown down to see our grandsons. We hadn't seen them in a while, and so we flew down, spent a few days with them, and I was jumping on the trampoline with Nolan and Davin, and we had been jumping, and Davin and Nolan snuggled up next to me, and suddenly Nolan out of, Davin out of nowhere said, Papa, I don't want you to die. And he just buried his head right into my chest, and I just quickly just like, where did this come from? And I grabbed him and I said, Davin, dying men don't jump on trampolines. And so we started jumping up and down and bouncing and laughing and having fun. But I kind of wondered, where did a thought like that come to my eight-year-old grandson? When you're experiencing worry, it doesn't mean that you're stupid. It doesn't mean that you're underdeveloped. It doesn't mean that you're less of a Christian it doesn't mean that you're not spiritual. It just simply means that you're a human being. Jesus battled with anxiety. He was tempted in every way that we are. He battled with worry. He was tempted in every way that we are. As a matter of fact, in the garden of Gethsemane, anxiety and pressure was so great upon him that the capillaries in his eyes and in his skin began to break and he sweat great drops like blood, the Bible says, in which your body can do that. And angels came and ministered to him. But the key is, Jesus didn't stay worried. He didn't stay anxious. He gave his fears and he gave his worries to the Father. And then he went ahead and fulfilled the plan of God for his life. And I know from having talked and prayed with so many people, and I just was on the phone with another family who just lost a dad in this season just as I was walking into the service tonight, I know there's so much grief and there's so much pain. I want you to know your Savior, my Savior, our Savior, knew what it was to battle with anxiety and worry, but he knew how to give it to the Father. He knew how to fulfill the mission that was before him, and he knew how to give God thanks. So would you stand with me tonight? And I'd like to take you to the scriptures this evening, and I want to talk to you about being calm and being grateful. The Bible says, always be full of joy in the Lord. 
And I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. And I do pray that Woodland is known for its consideration, that the membership and the friends and the attenders of Woodland, they're known as some of the most considerate people in the world. Why? Because he wants you to remember the Lord is coming soon. So don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Let me repeat that sentence. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is pure, honorable, right, and pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Father, in the next few minutes, I'm asking you to touch us. Lord, bring calmness. Bring what we used to sing in that old gospel song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Lord, I pray, bring that calmness to us at this Thanksgiving so that it won't be just a holiday of gratitude. It will be a lifestyle that we live for. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Anxiety harms us in ways that I can't even begin to explain to you. When I worked in mental health, I remember... The psychiatrist I work for telling me how that worry affects all of the organs of the body. It affects your skin. It affects your skeletal structure. It's not just say-so or something you might read about in a book. It even affects your digestive system. It will affect your jaws and how you eat and how you chew your food. Worry is something that is not what God created us for, but it's what we experience in this fallen world that we live in. Sometimes when I am tempted to worry or when I am worried, I realize that it's not picking up a book with a positive thought. It's not listening to a positive message, and I don't even pretend that this sermon will sweep away all of the anxieties that folks are experiencing or maybe you're experiencing watching online tonight. But I do believe this. If you will listen to the Word of God and apply these principles that I'm going to share with you tonight, it will help you. It will help you overcome anxiety. It will help you overcome worry. It will help you learn how to stay calm and live a grateful life. Now, I just read you an incredible statement in there. As a matter of fact, I read it the second time. And that's where the Bible says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry. I mean, that's a pretty bold statement. Don't worry about anything when we know that even Jesus battled with anxiety from time to time. Paul must have battled with it. He writes about it. He says, we despaired of losing our own lives, but we learned how to rely upon God. And so it's a real issue during this time when we need to be thankful and a while ago, when someone said to me, he says, it's hard to be thankful when your father has just passed away. I understand that. It was Thanksgiving just a few years ago that my father went home to heaven and the grief and all that that brought with it. But Jesus says, don't worry about anything. It might would have been a little more understandable if Jesus had said, listen, we're going to call Mondays no worry day. Or maybe we're going to call Sundays no worry day. And maybe just one day of the week. Can you imagine how great it would be in the United States if every Sunday nobody worried, they just worshiped? 
Wouldn't it be, don't you think the world would be a better place? Don't you think the economy would be in better shape if everybody just stopped and worshiped and not worried? But Jesus doesn't say just one day. He talks about a lifestyle for us to live. So how do we do that? Number one, we celebrate God's goodness. We celebrate God's goodness. That's what this holiday is all about. I love how Peterson translated in Philippians 4.4, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Celebrate God all day, every day, revel in him. I, I revel in my marriage. I revel in my family. I revel in this church and in my friends and my fellowship with others. But God says I can worship him and singing those songs tonight, especially that last song we sang together this evening, something in my heart just leapt up within me. You see, it does no good to meditate on the problem. Let me say it again. Look at me just a moment. It does no good to meditate on the problem, but it will do you a world of good to meditate on the Father. It will do you no good to meditate on your worries, your anxieties, your cares, and imagine the worst, but it will do you a world of good to meditate upon God's goodness and his love to you. It's the reason the Bible says in Psalms 121, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made everything in heaven and earth. Listen. The pagans often looked up to the high places. You'll recall reading about that in your Bibles about God said, destroy all the altars at the high places because pagans would think their help came from the mountains. And, and, and what David is saying is, my help doesn't come from the high places. My help comes from the Lord. You gain everything by meditating upon God's love for you, God's promises to you. You gain everything by meditating upon the goodness of God. Peter, remember the story when there was this huge storm on the Sea of Galilee, and the waves were rocking, the boat was rocking, and Jesus came walking to them on the water. And maybe the boat was in danger of sinking, and that explains why Peter, when he saw the Lord, he says, Lord, if it's really you, bid me to come to you on the waters. Maybe he was like, I need to get out of this boat and be with Jesus. And so the Lord said that one word, come, and Peter actually walked on the water but then notice what the Bible says. Peter saw the strong wind and the waves, and he was terrified, and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. As long as his focus was on Jesus, he was on top of his problems. But when you take your eyes off of God and you consider the worry, the anxiety, the problem, you will begin to sink in life. It's not that we don't do it. We just have to remind ourselves like we are tonight. So celebrate God's goodness. And secondly, ask God for his help. Just ask him to help you. I love the way Peter said, Lord, save me. And instantly Jesus reached out and took him by the hand and they walked back to the, to the boat together. Look at Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. It said, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. And then if that's not enough, Look with me at Psalms 50 and verse 15. The Lord says, call on me when you are in trouble. I have absolutely no uncertainty about that promise. Let me say it again. I have absolutely no uncertainty about that promise from God to call on me when you're in trouble. It doesn't matter if your trouble is the result of something you did wrong. It doesn't matter if your trouble is the result of your sin. Whatever it is, God says, call upon me. 
I wrote this little sentence down. The path to peace is paved with prayer. The path to peace is paved with prayer. It's not paved. The path to peace is not paved with worry. It's not paved with fret. It's not paved with anxiety, but it's paved with prayer. Jesus says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. In other words, the moment the, the word, this is at least how I do it in my life. The moment the worry, the moment the anxiety comes to me, I immediately call out to the Lord and I begin to punctuate my prayer with the promises of God. You may put commas and you may put periods, but I will take that worry and then I will punctuate it with a promise from God's word. I'll punctuate it with something that I, I know that God has said about that issue. If it's about healing, I will punctuate it with healing. If it's about life, I will punctuate it with life. If it's about my children, I'll punctuate it with one of the promises that God gave us for our children. Because when you punctuate your your prayers with promises from God. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and instantly your faith begins to soar because you're not meditating on the problem, you're meditating upon God. God has promised me he would never leave me, he would never forsake me. God has promised me that he would walk with me through the valley of the shadow of death. God has promised me that he would forgive all of my sins and remove all of my transgressions as far as the east is from the west, not just when I gave my heart to Jesus in 1972, but every single day of my life as I call out upon him. God has promised of many, many promises that I've never even found myself living in yet because I I haven't come to that point where I needed to claim that promise, but when I need that promise, it will be there. You say, what promise is that, Pastor? The promise went up on my deathbed that when I open my eyes, I will behold the Father in heaven. There are so many promises that you lean into to God that you punctuate your life with. You say, Pastor, is that biblical? Well, let's let God's word answer that. In Isaiah 62, 6, you people who remind the Lord of your needs in prayer should never be quiet. What do they do? They remind the Lord of their needs in prayer. They remind the Lord of their needs in prayer. Hey, remember, when we went through the book of Jacob, I mean Genesis, we spent a long time dealing with Jacob when Jacob went to the Lord and says, God, you said, return. You said, and he's facing these massive problems. He's worried. He's anxious. But he punctuates his prayer with a promise from God's words. So we celebrate God's goodness to us. We ask God for what we need. And then thirdly, we leave our concerns with God. We leave our concerns with God. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. His peace, his shalom, it will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Some time ago, Becky's vacuum cleaner wasn't working. So she says to me, I want you to take it to Mr. Fix-It on whatever he's called on uh, Trenton, in Trenton on West Road, and he's a really nice guy, and I went in there to him, and I said, hi, do you remember me? And he remembered me, and I says, well, I've got a vacuum cleaner for you. My wife went, oh, yes, I sold your wife that vacuum cleaner, and he goes on about how great it is, and he says, I can repair it, and you know, it never crossed my mind that I ought to just stand there and watch him do it to be sure he did it right. 
It never crossed my mind that maybe I need to roll out a sleeping bag and be sure and stay here just to be sure he does it like he said he was going to do it. It never crossed my mind at all to give him any advice about fixing that vacuum cleaner. Instead, he smiled and he made a promise. And sure enough, on the day he told me to come back, he not only brought the vacuum cleaner out, he says, let me show you how it works now. And he threw some garbage or whatever stuff you throw out, and he's vacuuming it up. He's so happy with what he's done. And I'm laughing, and I'm thinking, one day this is going to be a sermon illustration, and this is that day. <laughs> Mr. Fix-It kept his word. Mr. Fix-It fixed it. And I'm telling you, we used to sing a song called, Let Jesus Fix It For You. He knows just what to do. Friends, I'm telling you tonight, leave it with God and don't worry and frustrate yourselves over it. It's not a complicated thing to do. It's what the Bible calls upon us to do. Look at what Paul says in 2 Timothy 1:12. I know the one in whom I trust. I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted unto him until the day of his return. In other words, he's saying, I've learned to leave my concerns with God. I've learned to leave my anxieties. I've learned to leave my worries. God doesn't need your assistance. God doesn't need your counsel. God doesn't need your advice. But God needs your trust. He wants you to trust him. Trusting Jesus is all that matters. And then the song says, your life will never be the same. So I call upon you tonight, leave it with him. Replace those anxious thoughts with grateful thoughts. Replace those worried thoughts with grateful thoughts. Replace those troubling thoughts with thankful thoughts. In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Would you read that out loud with me today? In everything by prayer and supplication with One more time, please. In everything by prayer and supplication with so take the worry, the concern, whenever it crops up, punctuate it with a promise, and then leave it with God with thanksgiving. I shared with you Sunday morning in the service a book I read by Ann Voskamp and on a thousand gifts and how she began to keep a journal. But if you stop thinking tonight, start thinking tonight and jotting down all the things to be thankful, I'm sure every one of us in this room could come up with over a thousand things ourselves. We could come up with eternal life, forgiveness of sins. We could come up with family. We could come up with our marriages. We could come up with our church. We could come up today with heaven. We could come up with the rapture. We could come up with all those things that the communion represented tonight, that we are the family of God and we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We could come up with this, that I am not ashamed of the power of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. You just fill your mind, so you leave it with him. Kim and I, when we were young, Kim and I got cornered by a German shepherd that a neighbor of ours had way out in the country. And sometimes that dog would get away. He was on a big old chain that I remember this man had, and I know that's a cruel thing to do, but this is back in the 60s. So. But that dog cornered us out at the barn, 
And we were scared. And then all of a sudden, my daddy showed up. And I got to tell you, I don't know what my daddy ever did to that German shepherd, but when he saw my daddy, he would always tuck his tail and run the other way. And as soon as he saw my daddy, suddenly that dog that was snarling and baring his fangs and had two kids scared to death, suddenly that dog's back bowed up, his tail tucked between his legs, and he was taken off lickety-split across the cornfield. You see, when you celebrate God's goodness, when you ask God, when you leave it with him, punctuated with a promise and pray with thanksgiving, anxiety runs like that dog ran from my dad. And that's how you drive it out. And then finally tonight, meditate upon the good things of God. Meditate on the good things of God. Philippians 4.8 says, fix your thoughts on what is true honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy. In other words, he's saying focus on these things. Matter of fact, I believe if you were to look at one of my older Bibles, you would see written down beside it, F-O-C-U-S, focus. This is where you focus your thoughts. This is where you focus your life. It doesn't mean that we're not dealing with what those young adults getting started in their career fields in their 20s. It doesn't mean we're not dealing with what those young families are dealing with, worried about taking care of their families. It doesn't mean that we're not worried about 40s job layoffs. It doesn't mean in the 50s that maybe things aren't going as well for your retirement as you were hoping. And it doesn't mean in your 60s you're not going to battle some health issues. But you learn how to stay calm by celebrating God's goodness, asking for God's help, leaving it with God, and then meditating on the good things, focusing right here. Don't let worry and negativity take over. Our children have heard way too much about coronavirus. Our children have heard way too much about politics. We have gone through recession, and now it's like some say we're in inflation. And we may adjust our lifestyles, but we can whip it. We can beat it by Christ's help. But we can't control what's happening. We can't control what's happening in the world, but we can control what's happening in here, in our hearts and in our heads. We can control that. And if you had gathered by now, then I've just given you a little acronym from the scripture on how to stay calm. I sat down a few days ago and it was painful. I decided I would go back and re revisit some of the most painful days of my life. Matter of fact, it was so painful that it put me in kind of a funk for a couple of days. I really just kind of had to pray through it. I went back and relived some of those things. The time sitting in an Audi that I was so proud of after getting the, one of the most devastating reports I ever got. The time in high school. Things that were very, very difficult, they became defining moments in my life. Things that, as one song we sang tonight, I'll never talk about with anybody but Becky unless I need to go to see a therapist or a counselor. And let me say that tonight. I hadn't planned to say that, but 
Don't ever be ashamed of being able of going to see a Christian counselor. Don't be ashamed of getting help. That doesn't mean you're weak. That means you're strong when you admit you need to get help. As a matter of fact, at our church, when we, we feel like we can't help somebody within two or three visits, we will refer them to a good Christian counselor. It's not because we don't care about them. It's because we just recognize our limitations and we want people to get the kind of care they need. But in each of those difficult, challenging times, it's like God brought somebody to walk alongside of me. For most of the years, it's been Becky. For many years, it was my father. For some of those times, it has been a prayer partner or a board member, been a staff member. But there have been people that God has placed in my life that have walked through those times. But it was 50 years ago, almost to the day, of one of those worst days of my life. I'm 66, so that tells you I was 16. And somehow or another, those moments in my life where I saw fear in my parents' eyes, I saw fear in my pastor's eyes, I saw fear in others' eyes, it always tempted you just to give up. And during those two days, I guess... And it wasn't a foolish thing to do. It was the right thing to do to prepare for this message. But living through those painful memories, I had a thought just run through my mind. Jesus, I don't want to do any of that again. Take me home. I would rather die than live through that again. And at that moment, I can tell you right where I was at. At that moment... It was like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and says, that's because you're relying on your strength and not mine. You don't know how strong you really are until you learn how to rely upon God. You don't know how big a mountain that you can move until you learn to rely upon God. You don't know how big a boulder you can move until you learn to rely upon God's strength. I can't do it alone. This church can't do it alone. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly, I was calm once again. Does that make sense? That's what it means. Celebrate God's goodness. Ask God, even if you're in trouble for something you've done, leave it with God and then meditate upon all the good things of God. Would you stand with me tonight and let me pray with you before we go home and celebrate Thanksgiving this week. Our Father in heaven, we love you. We adore you. And we thank you, Jesus, this Thanksgiving season. Though we know there are still many that are grieving, we know that there are still many battling, Lord. There's still so much to be thankful for. We are not mindlessly giving thanksgiving to you, Lord. But we are gratefully coming to you in the midst of still some of the greatest challenges, consequential challenges, Lord, that I pray that Davin and Nolan and Josiah and Bear, 
will look back upon one day and says, this is how my parents, this is how my grandparents, this is how they made it through that time. And it will be meaningful to them. Now, O oh Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you will comfort those who need comforting. I pray that you will heal those at home that are watching tonight who need a miracle of healing. I pray, Father, for those that are grieving. Lord, finding it hard to give thanks that right now they'll just focus upon the faithfulness of God. The moment their dad, the moment their grandfather slipped into the presence of Jesus, they were well, they were whole. Hallelujah. And I pray for those of us tonight that, God, that maybe we don't feel like there's any problems in our life, that we will see this as our opportunity to serve others and to lighten the load they're carrying. I thank you for a calmness and a calm assurance that belongs to each of us tonight. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen, amen, and amen. Now this week, I told you that you'd be getting a, an envelope, a letter from the church from me this week. Now, if you do what I do, when I get junk mail, I go to the trash can. When I get the mail, I go to the trash can, and I just start throwing the junk mail right in the recycling bin. Oh, I need to keep this one. I need to keep this one. This is not junk mail. You do not want to throw this away. There is a gift for you in there. If you throw this away, you're going to throw a gift away. So do not throw this away. I want you to open it up. And I want you to prayerfully think about what I ask you to do in this Christmas season for our Joyful Noise Christmas offering. And in just a moment, Pastor Corey is going to come, and he's going to dismiss our service tonight. And if you join us on Sunday morning, I hope that you'll join us. We're going to kick off a brand new sermon series called Hope is Here. And the reason hope is here is because Christ is here. And I hope you'll join me as we begin to celebrate Christmas here together at Woodland. But first, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving. I love you. If we can ever help you, or maybe if you listen to this message and you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, then I pray that tonight you'll understand God loves you so much and you can stay calm. Matter of fact, you could celebrate God's goodness to you tonight by just simply asking him to come into your heart. Leave your sins with him. And after you pray, just meditate upon this one fact that God loved you so much that he gave his only son so that you could know him and be free from your sin. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I pray that those that are listening tonight that maybe have never crossed the line, that on this Thanksgiving holiday, Lord, they will just understand they can commit their lives to you. They can be born again. They can get a fresh start in life. And if you're thinking, Pastor, how can I do that? Just simply pray like this. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for taking my sins to the cross. Thank you for hearing my prayer and forgiving me. 
And as much as I know how, I commit my life to you. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Pastor Corey's going to come and give you a little information and tell you how you can get some help from us. God bless you. You can be seated, and he'll dismiss you right after this. If you prayed that prayer with Pastor this evening, we have a gift we'd love to give you. It's a book. And if you're online and you're watching right now and you prayed that prayer, will you email us at, there it is on the screen, info at woodland.church. Let us know you prayed that prayer and, and we'd be glad to give it to you and send it to you. And it will help you in your next steps and understand a little bit more about what you prayed for as well. And if you're here today and you prayed that prayer, we have that book right at the crossing. Just simply ask, ask us for it. We'd love to give it to you as well. Also, as you're leaving, don't forget to give, place your offering, place any prayer cards or anything like that in the offering baskets as well. And if you're watching online, you can give many different ways as well through our app or text or the website. God bless you. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. You're free to go.